Hey everyone, thanks for joining us again for All Things Evangelism. This week's episode is entitled, The Word of Your Testimony. And according to scripture, we overcome the enemy of our souls through the blood of the Lamb and through the word of our testimony. So there's something about sharing what God has done for you that gives you power to overcome the challenges, the struggles, and the difficulties of your life. And so today I'm here with my workmate and uh, friend, Leah Hodge. And uh, thank you, Leah, for joining me oh, thank on the you podcast. for having me. Yeah, it's great. I'm excited. Yeah, I'm so good. It's so cool. We work together, and we, um, we're friends. I like your husband. You like my wife. We're just, yep. yeah, yeah, it's just a blessing uh, to work with friends. But you're someone who has an experience with God that I thought was uh, was worth sharing. And you're someone who has a great story of God's power to save. And so, yeah, I just thought you'd be the perfect guest, even though we work across the hall. Well, you know, Scripture, Yep. we started off with the Scripture, and it talks about throughout Scripture testifying about God and what he's done for us. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, it's not just that one verse um, that comes to my mind. There's another verse that particularly pertains to my story because you've got me on here because I've you know shared my testimony a lot and it is a crazy testimony but um, everyone has a story to tell if you've been touched by the grace of God every person should share that Um, but there's this awesome verse that I think is really cool that I want to share as well Um, just to get us started I guess it's from Psalm 107 verse 2 and you might already know it. it said let the redeemed of the Lord say so whom he has redeemed from the land of the enemy. Mm. And that is really what happened to me because I was, you know, we're all, I guess, before we come to Christ in spiritual darkness. And so we're all redeemed from the land of the enemy. But for my story, and, you know, people listening haven't heard that yet, but I was literally delivered from satanic forces. Yeah. So I I love that verse in in leading up to, yeah. Mm my experience with God and my sharing of my testimony. Yep. Yeah. Well, you know, there's value. I've, I've found personally, and I, and I wanted to talk to you about this, real value in sharing, like personal benefit that I receive from sharing what God has done for me. So what are some of the things that you found you receive or what are some of the benefits that you've gained as a yep. person yep. from sharing your faith? Well, Every time, yeah, every time I get asked to share my story, I always am reminded because I have to think back to the things that God's done in my life and really spend time contemplating it. And I'm always just humbled, really. And I'm always touched and moved by what God did for me. Mm-hmm. And we don't often, th- daily, I don't think we do, I know I don't, think about the grace of God in my life and like the miracles like that he's wrought in my life. And every time I share my testimony, no matter where it is, no matter what church it is, no matter how many times, I always choke up at the Mm. same, like in in different parts of my story. I'm like, wow, God, wow, you did that for me. Mm. And I just am reminded. So there's definitely a blessing in remembering. And we are so easily to forget the good things. And I think, you know, in the Bible, it talks about how they set up memorials, like they would like a miracle would happen. And then God would like, they'd set up stones in that point. And then when their children and the, you know, after, you know, a few years, they'd walk past and they'd remember 
what God had done. I think we need to do that more. Yeah. It's awesome. Yeah, we're very prone to forgetting. Yeah. Like as people, right? Definitely. Huh. So the Israelites, when they were freed from Egyptian slavery, God said to them, like on multiple occasions, like remember, remember, like how I saved you, that you used to be in that condition, but you're not in that condition anymore. Mm. And in remembering, they would be grateful and appreciative and happy in the life that God had given them. If they forgot, you know, they could, yeah, take it for granted what they have. There's definitely many blessings in remembering. Yeah. <laughs> definitely. No, that's good. Hey, so, you know, this is All Things Evangelism podcast. Mm. And the word of our testimony, we're the, we're, this is the episode, the word of our testimony. And I, I thought it would be good to share with the church family in North New South Wales how we can be powerful evangelists simply by sharing what God has done for us. So a lot of times people feel as if they're ill-equipped, right, to, to quote, evangelize, because they think of an evangelist as somebody who knows it all, right? They've just this dashing and confident individual who has all the answers, and they can just win everybody with all those answers. And although that's a bit of a funny caricature, but it's true. It's what most people think. So leave that to the professionals. Yeah, leave that to yeah. Like mm-hmm. I don't have any place in evangelism. So mm. what do you say to that in in light of how God has used your story? Well, let me start off with the fact that I didn't ever want to tell my story for for the first year, maybe. And but then I like got down on my knees one time and prayed because. It was, it's a pretty radical story. I'm like, I don't want to share that here in this, in this context, in this culture. Like, they're not going to believe what happened to me. But anyway, when I got down on my knees and prayed, I was like, Lord, I'm ready to share. I'm ready to share. Anyway, literally, like, within, I, can't, I think it was the next day even, I got a phone call from a church, um, like someone who, a family member in a church, and asked me to come and share. And I was like what? Uh, I was very, very, very nervous. And anyway, so that was the start of it. Um, I didn't know the whole Bible. I hadn't read, you know, I didn't know hardly anything really. All I know is that God delivered me and I wanted to share because it's not about us. It's about him. And so when you take your eyes off yourself and realize, no, this is his story through me, um, and I want people to see that because I think it's going to, you know, touch people's hearts and it's going to yeah, be, be really powerful for God. Yeah, so I started telling my testimony in, in churches and I remember the first time I, I thought I was going to throw up. Like, I'm not a public speaker. I'm, I'm not a public speaker at all. Like, you can ask my mum. I used to take sick days of school if I had to do a speech. Like, it was, it's really tough for me. But I was willing to put myself out there. Like literally five minutes before, I was in the toilet nearly throwing up. That I was gonna have to get up in front of people and talk. But I did it because of God, and He helped me, and He helps me every single time. So you don't have to know everything. All you have to do is be willing. And God has never let me down. Every time I get up, I still have the same nerves. I still have the same feeling of sickness. But Every time, it's such a blessing when I'm done and people's hearts are touched. So, yeah, you don't need to be an evangelist. You don't need to be a Bible worker. If, Like I said at the start, if you've been touched by the grace of God, you have something to share. What's sad is, though, if you aren't having that relationship with Jesus, then you don't have anything to share. And I know a lot of people 
before I was, you know, a converted Christian, I was I grew up a Seventh Day Adventist going to church. And I used to, you know, as a teenager, I'd go to like like a youth kind of church thing and I'd be hungover and like they'd all be talking about how God had blessed them this weekend. I remember someone asking me, well, like what's God done in your life this week? And I literally had nothing to say because I'm like, I don't know because I, I don't have a walk with God. Like what are you, you going to say to that? But yeah, you, you definitely need to experience something to share it if, if you get what I'm saying. Mm, yeah, it's yeah. Matthew 12. Yeah. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Yeah. So if you don't have Jesus in your heart, then that's why it's difficult to speak about him, you know, yeah. to testify. How are you going to speak yeah. what's not in you? But like the, the stories that come to mind with, you know, not being the professional, but just having this experience, this encounter is, you know, that woman at the well, for instance, where she had that conversation with Jesus. He revealed himself as the Messiah. She goes and just runs off, doesn't even get the water, runs off and tells the people that she knew, that knew her life before, and tells them to come and see. And they all believe because of her testimony. And then later on it says they believe because of, you know, actually talking to him and receiving his word. But first they believe from her testimony. And so she didn't know anything. She hadn't spent the three or however many years the disciples had been with Jesus. And and so, yeah, like we can't really pull that one when, you know, we can't leave it up to the professionals. You know, and no one asked her to get up on Sabbath at synagogue and yeah, share her story. It's true. Right? Mm. This was an organic event when she went to that village. Yeah. And I feel like that's what God calls us to, right? Like you're engaging with the son of God you're interacting with Jesus Christ on a deep personal level and then you just go to those who you happen to live with who you do life with and that you associate with and and you share who you are you share what you're experiencing and that's just natural right like that's just being a human so it almost seems to me that sharing your testimony is just sharing you in a real authentic, you know, when Jesus is in you, yeah. you know. And like you did say before, it is sharing God. It's not about you, but it is your experience with God. And mm-hmm. that's, yeah. Hey, so so I just wanted to ask you here, Leah. Um, you've shared your, your story, your conversion story, on multiple occasions to audiences. But is that is that all that there is to sharing your, quote, testimony? Well, on that like, point... Because you know, what if someone doesn't get invited to share their story? Yeah. We, Where do you share your story? Yeah, well, like, every day we should have something to share with, with someone. If we're living daily, like, if we're walking with Jesus, there should be something that we can share and like I think this is where you have to be in devotions, you have to be asking for the Holy Spirit to lead you, um, to be willing to share what's what God's doing for you on a daily basis like it can be in any conversation it can be anywhere like you don't need to be asked to stand up in church and share but it should be part of our life and um our daily like in you know work in your workplace you know oh I had an answer to prayer and like you know whatever it could be but like I'm reminded that we need to receive before we can share I think that's the the main point so in Acts chapter 3 the apostles James and John are going to the temple to pray at the ninth hour. And they see this man whose friends drop him in front of the temple every day to beg for for money. And, you know, he's looking at them. 
expecting, expecting perhaps that they'll give him something. And Peter says, look at us. And he looks at them, and then Peter says, we don't have silver and we don't have gold, but what we have we'll give you. And they say, in the name of Jesus Christ from Nazareth, rise up and walk. So that's, that's a bold, authoritative thing to do, right? Like my mom, she worked with mentally and physically handicapped kids my whole life. And there were multiple occasions where I'd go to church as a kid. We weren't really churched people, but my mom would periodically find herself in the church. And I'd hear these stories of the gospel and God. And I remember being a little kid looking at these physically handicapped kids that my mom would bring around the house and just think, tell them to get up in Jesus' name. Well, I'd never have the courage to do that. And, and I always thought if I did do it, I'd whisper it. Like, hey, get up in Jesus' name, just in case, right? <laughs> like, it didn't work. Um, but I was just thinking of it as a gimmick or as a trick, right? Like, like, what was the formula that they utilized to get people that were crippled to walk again? Peter, he boldly pronounces publicly, get up and walk in the name of Jesus. This is a, he's, he's acting like he has authority. But Jesus says, all authority is given to me in, in, he, in heaven and in earth. So, and go. So, so Peter was exercising the authority that he had from the Son of God. And he was giving the power of God, which he had experienced in his life. So he was not trying to be a powerful proclaimer of the power of God. He just was that because he had Jesus in his life and his heart. And then he was naturally expressing that as God's spirit led him to do so. And so, yeah, like you can't share what you don't have. And so, but, but at the same time, if you share what you do have, it multiplies. That's right. It just reminds me of the, you know, feeding of the 5,000. They had what, five barley loaves, two fishes, they had what they used what they had and God multiplied that. So when you share what you've personally experienced, like not everyone's personally experienced what I've experienced, but when I share that, God will use it. And then everyone's been touched in different ways and God's personal. So he's helping you in different areas of your life. So that's the main, yeah, that's a really good point. Like what you have, you share. And then as you continue walking with Jesus, you're going to have more fresh experiences. Like I can't keep relying on my conversion story. I need to have constant contact with God and he needs to be constantly working miracles in my life because to turn away from sin is a miracle every day. Like, you know, we, we, we need to recognize that. Amen. Totally. You know, I love this idea of sharing what you have. Jesus said to Mary Magdalene, well, to the people who were criticizing Mary for anointing his feet in Bethany before the crucifixion, he said, leave her alone. She did what she could. So she just did what she could, and that, and that was accepted and appreciated by Jesus. And I think sometimes we don't want to testify because we can't testify the way someone else does, right? So she, she didn't worry about what she couldn't do. She worried about what she could do, and she expressed in the way that she could her love and appreciation for the Son of God. And yet at the same time, like many people don't do what they can because they can't do what someone else can do or they don't have as much as someone else has. And, you know, same with speaking and testifying. A person might think, well, I don't have the ability to communicate like someone else does or I don't have the ability to share deep things because I don't know deep things. But 
Jesus doesn't ask us to say what we can't say or to testify in a way that we can't. He just asks us to say what we can say. And I feel like we're perfectionists a bit. Not in the theological, like we think we have to be perfect to be accepted by God sense, but I think Advent, like all of We're all, comparing ourselves. Well, it's just, it's perfectionism in the sense that, hey, if I can't do it perfect, I'm not going to do it all because I'm not willing to fail and look imperfect in doing something. It's really unfortunate because maybe the witness that will be most effective for a certain individual is one that doesn't come packaged in a perfect like speech. Yeah, maybe when they see maybe that, they're like, well, I can do that. normal if, yeah. human, you know, and there's a time, I'll throw this in. I was knocking on doors with this kid. I tell this story everywhere. I've told this a million times, but it's a great story. He's a 12-year-old, and this mom forced him to hang out with me for a day, and I was doing outreach in Albuquerque, New Mexico, and this organization called ASI had sent out a bunch of leaflets asking if people would be interested in studying the Bible. They sent out like a million. It's a city of maybe 300,000 or something. So they sent it like three times to every person in the city. And it was like a little card that says, would you be interested in these subjects? So we're following up people who had responded to them. And we're getting like tons of Bible studies. It was crazy. And God was really working there. And so I told this kid, I said, I'm going to have you talk like at the next door. And he's like, no, I'm not going to do that. And I was like, well, here's the deal, man. Like, we've been hanging out all day. You've just been sitting there with me, man. You're just going to talk. And he's like, no, I'm not going to talk. I said, okay, well, I'm going to knock on the door, and I'm not going to say anything. So we can just stand there if you want. And he, he for sure didn't think I was serious. So anyways, I just knocked on the door. I remember the look of the person who came to the door. And we, we come to the door. I knock on the door. And this young brunette with long brown hair comes to the door. And she says, hey, may I help you? And I just stood there and smiled at her. And I looked at the dude. And he looked at me. And I looked at her and just kept smiling. And she said again, can I help you? Anyways, he finally realized that he was going to have to talk. And so he started to talk. And he was fumbling and stumbling through his words. And just, you know... Being willing to make a fool out of himself for someone else. And anyways, when he's done with his stuttering statement, she just looks at him and she was kind of touched by his cuteness. And she said, I'd love to study the Bible with you. Wow. That girl and I and he studied the Bible for four months. She came to some series of presentations and she's a member of the Seventh-day Adventist Church today. Wow. And this little guy, right, with his little imperfect voice. That's a beautiful story. I love it. I've heard that before. But every time, it's, <laughs> it's, it's a great a illustration. Story. Yeah, it's but great. Because he didn't have much to share. He's like, my mom forced me to be here, man. What am I going to say to anyone? And, but it, it makes the point that sometimes what gets through to a person is not the individual who can say things perfectly. It's just the sincere heart that is going to say it however they can. And sometimes people read underneath the surface of what you're saying and they can kind of feel your feelings and they can see your sincere, like, and you know, genuine, your genuineness. Yeah, people like it, you know? to see genuineness. Genuineness, They hate that's fake, right. phony, no, that's right. trying to perform. and. No, that's it. And so, yeah. yeah so, we, hey, what do, you, what do you think in regards to, like, the Great Commission? Jesus gives this great commission. Now it's to go out and teach all the things that he taught, but it in- includes like 
witnessing and testifying. So do you think that the disciples were the kind of people that they should have been? Like, do you think that they were... Well, we just need to read the Gospels. We know that that God was working with them in every stage and they were not perfect people. Right. They had serious defects of character. Um, sorry, was that the end of your question? Because yeah, I yeah, just jumped totally. in there. Yeah, no, um, yeah, no they were... Um, but through the Holy Spirit, like after Pentecost, there was a massive change in how things were happening. Before that... You know, and still, like, you know, as, you know, Pentecost came, you know, Peter still had some, you know, issues with the prejudice and stuff that we saw. But there was a radical change in how their effectiveness of witnessing. Um, so we, we're not perfect people. We, we make mistakes. We, we fumble. We fall. But it's, it's being willing and to, to realise the gravity of this movement, this mission to bring people to Jesus. Like I said, it's about him and when we're infilled with the Holy Spirit, we have power. And that's what the difference is with the disciples. Like, he provides, God provides what we need. And that we just need to have the faith that he will give us exactly what we need at the right time. We need to be spending time, you know, in the word, you know. The Holy Spirit will bring to our remembrance what we've already put in there. But this is the thing. I think we lack faith in God's promises because he said... You know, I'll never leave you nor forsake you, no matter where you are. If you're fully depending on him, surrendering all, like, you'll have his spirit, you'll have his power. You just need to trust and have belief. And I I experience this every time, like I said, that I'm going to share something with, like, my testimony. I have to have faith every time. I'm like, even though I've done it before, I still have to claim the promise, Lord, you know, put your words in my mouth. I know that, yeah, and he never lets us down. Um, Be willing to be used, but... Yeah, the disciples, yeah, they weren't theologians. Yeah, not, not as we understand it. So no. check this out. I, I, was, I was preaching a sermon this last weekend at the South New South Wales Conference Big Camp. And one of the texts that I focused on was Mark 16. After the resurrection, it says that the women who had seen the empty tomb and conversed with the angel, they ran back and spoke to the disciples and said, like, he's risen. He's not, he's, he's, he's not there. And the Bible says that the disciples refused to believe. And then it says that after he appeared to two others on the road to Emmaus, those two disciples came to the twelve and said, we've seen him. He's risen from the dead. So you have two eyewitness accounts that come to the disciples, two testimonies that come to the disciples and the disciples refuse to believe. So it can be concluded that the disciples at that point, just post first, as soon as Jesus was resurrected, post-resurrection at that point, they were, they were not believing as they should. Their belief was not as strong as it should be. It was not all that it should be. And then Jesus appears and they're like, whoa! And the Bible says he, he, he abrades them or he kind of gets down on them for not believing. And then he gives the gospel commission and says, you need to go to all the world and preach the gospel and testify of me and all who believe will be saved, but all who do not believe will be condemned. Now, that's a bit ironic because they don't believe the way they should. Their belief is not complete. It's not perfect. It's not all that 
they would imagine it would need to be or anyone would imagine it would need to be. But Jesus says, go tell everyone to believe. Therefore, as we said already, as you tell people your story and the power of God and the truth that you know, it multiplies in you, right? Yep. And becomes greater and more. Um, so Jesus knows that uh, their belief will be grown through testifying and sharing yep. their experience. And I think that's, that's such a powerful point. Yeah, freely receive, freely give. It's this whole idea of taking and giving, taking and giving and not hoarding. And that's what the Jewish nation did. They hoarded the truth. They hoarded the oracles of God. And look what it did to them as a nation. And, you know, we as Seventh-day Adventists, we can think we have the truth. We need to share it. We need to be sharing it. And like you said, it grows and it multiplies and it's just this, yeah, it's amazing. Um, if every Seventh-day Adventist was sharing what God has done in their life with people near them, their family, look, that it would be spreading like wildfire. It's practicing unselfishness, isn't it? Like in a, in a way, to be a receiver and not to be willing to give is just being selfish. Definitely. It's choosing to hoard, like you're saying what God had done. Check this out. I want to tell you, I'm Mr. Stories today. And I'm just going to tell the story and then I'll let you finish this off with some final, final words. So get ready. <laughs> okay, so uh, I, just, I just told this story in a sermon. It was so, the Spirit of God just blessed. So it's a story I've told a million times before, but not in the context of witnessing. It was about a little girl named Jordan and a little boy named Lucas, and Jordan was five, and she had serious heart issues, multiple heart attacks, seizures on a weekly basis. Mom is always terrified that she's going to die. And the doctors conclude that she, she needs a heart transplant or else she will not live more than another year or two. And she's a beautiful girl, whole life ahead of her, so they want to save her. But in order for her to live you know, and get a new heart, another child has to die. So the child that, had, that ended up dying that gave his heart to Jordan was Lucas, a little chubby one-and-a-half-year-old boy. And um, so they call Jordan's mom and say, we got the heart. And um, so they rush her into surgery with Lucas's little heart. They put it in. The surgery's a success. Jordan's mom goes home, and she's ecstatic. She's celebrating and happy and joyful and thankful, and it looks like Jordan's going to be fine, and she's going to live a healthy, happy life. But then it dawns on her that the price of her daughter's life was the life of another child, and that inside of her chest was the beating heart of a child that was alive yesterday. And she thought of the mom, who's feeling very different than her, and so, you know, just think about a cocktail of emotions. Six months later, a television show gets the two moms together on a stage. And they get to meet for the first time. They're hugging and crying. And, you know, just Jordan's mom is saying to Lucas's mom, like, oh, you know, thank you, thank you, thank you. Because you know, my daughter's alive because you gave your son. And this is the gospel. It's the price of a new heart. And the Bible says that God will give us a new heart. And he'll take out the, the, the heart that doesn't work right. He'll give us a heart that does work right. Um, but the price of that new heart is the heart of his son. God has to die for us to have a new heart. 
Now, I was, this is the application that I had never thought of from that story. It's a true story, by the way. Um, oh, and what's so sad about it was that on the show, they gave Jordan's, uh, Lucas's mom a stethoscope so that she could listen to the heart of her son in the chest of this little girl. And how moving. So, uh, what it dawned on me when I was preaching this sermon on Sunday night was that there was prob- there's probably no context in which Jordan's mom would ever be ashamed of sharing what Lucas's mom did for her in providing life for her daughter. You, you name one time, one place where she would ever be ashamed to share what was done for her through the giving of that heart for her little girl? None. And the point I made to the congregation was that sometimes we, we kid ourselves into thinking that we're being tactful and we're being wise and we're being careful about our witness when we're just being ashamed and we're being unappreciative of the fact that God gave his son so that we, our loved ones, and our communities could live. And we're just ashamed of it, so we don't share it. Wow, that's a very moving, powerful illustration of that story. It it reminds me of the quote where Ellen White says, um, it would be well for us to spend a thoughtful hour each day contemplating, you know, the closing scenes of Christ's life because if if we were doing that regularly or every day, like she says, you would be so ready to share Jesus with others because you're constantly being reminded of that that death that he had for us personally and wanting to share that it would be natural. It would come out naturally and you, you wouldn't be ashamed. Like you were saying, it would, it would be the best news to share with someone. It would be the best news. Like you, you always want to share great things that are happening to you with other people or yeah, pointing people to the good news, to the only person that can bring them peace. Why wouldn't, why don't we want to share that with someone? Amen. Well, listen, guys, thank you so much for joining us uh, for this episode of the word of your testimony. And thank you, Leah, so much for joining me. We look forward to hanging out with you again next week. Be blessed. Take care.